Women Taking the Lead, Episode 183. I think the biggest thing that anybody needs to do is uh, don't say the first thing that comes into your mind when you come upon any situation. You always need to think before you open your mouth. And again, don't don't let something that might be said in the heat of the moment. Once, once you say or do something, you can't take it back. So always try to take a step back. And, and again, put things in perspective. You know, somebody missed a deadline, what's the worst thing that could happen? Or kid spills the milk, you know? You know, what point is it to cry over this spilled milk when what what you say or do at any given moment can make such an impact on somebody else's life that I think just weighing it out and making sure that you're respectful of other people goes a long way. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to join the community and get the resources to support you on your leadership journey. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Every child wants to be the hero of their own story. At JulesCustomBooks.com, your child plays the central role in every book, bringing joy and delight when they hear their name and those of their family and friends. Visit JulesCustomBooks.com to make your child the star of the show. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Karen Worcester. And upon the creation of Wreaths Across America in 2007, Karen was chosen for the position of executive director. With over 40 years experience in the administrative stewardship of various Worcester enterprises, Karen is a passionate champion and spokesperson. As a co-founder of Wreaths Across America, Karen tenaciously works on ways the organization can best remember the fallen, honor those who serve, and teach our children that our freedoms are purchased at a great cost. Karen, I'm so honored to have you on Women Taking the Lead, and that was just a little intro for everyone. So tell us a little bit more about you and your own humble beginnings. Um, me and my humble beginnings. Well, I, I uh, have always lived in uh, little towns in the state of Maine, and uh, that, that to me is a humble but a, a wonderful beginning. And, um, you know, I'm like anybody else. I had a childhood that probably could have been better, but parents that did the best that they could. And, and, uh, you know, I tried, I, I don't dwell a lot on, on my childhood. We were relatively poor. Um, and, but I learned a lot from that and I value that where I am. I, um, I take, you take a lot of lessons from things. It's funny. I saw something on Facebook the other day about, um, set of twins that were born to an alcoholic father and grew up and one of them became uh, very alcoholic and wasn't successful and the other one led a very successful life and uh, so they were interviewing them and they asked the first one that that, uh, was having such a struggle with alcohol how he felt he came to be that way and his answer was "I, I grew up watching my father. And then they asked the other one, a successful son, um, how did you come to be so successful given how you grew up? And his answer was, I watched my father. Mm. And I think that's kind of a summation of uh, humble beginnings for me. You know, it's just that uh, everybody doesn't get to have a great start, but I think um, people do the best they can. And then you take that and go on. Um, with it, I actually met my husband when I was only 14, 
and uh, he quickly became my best friend, and uh, I think we kind of grew up together. So uh, we started businesses together when, you know, I was 18 and um, he was 26, and that it just, um, you know, we started off, we worked hard, but we also were always very appreciative of having the opportunity to work and, and do better, and we, we just enjoyed that challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love the, the message you gave about life really is what you make of it. It doesn't matter where you started. It, what really matters is what you make of it. And you are, and I know everyone just doesn't ha- quite have the picture of what you're doing in the world. We're going to get there. Um, but I know you're doing amazing things in the world and you are a woman on a mission. You know, so even though you've had humble beginnings, you, you are now, you now gain the confidence to at the very least, you know, have a vision of of a change you wanted to see in the world and you're going about it and you're doing what you can to bring about that change. But if you could, Karen, you know, to start off with, if you could um, share with us a story, something we all have in common is a playing small moment where, you know, we just don't realize how much we're capable of. And so we hold ourselves back a little bit. And, you know, we later realize like, oh my goodness, I could have done so much more. I doubted myself. I didn't need to. So if you could share with us your playing small story and the lessons you've learned? Well, it probably will surprise you a little bit because it doesn't have anything to do with business or being out in the public or anything like that. It it actually was when my, I have six children, when my um, my second son, my third child was born, um, we nearly lost him. He was born two months early and he had a lot of complications and, um, and I was just shy of being 20 years old and uh, Boy, I doubted myself. It was a, it was hard. It was hard, and I blamed myself. And I, I, you know, in retrospect, I don't even know how, other than faith, that I got through it. And and um, you know, looking back on that, I I grew up fast and put a lot of things in life in perspective. And it, there is nothing in this world that will put life in perspective any more than the possible loss of a child or being that close to losing a child, especially when you're pretty much a child yourself, so you don't have a good grasp of it. So that was the one of the most difficult times of my life. And when I learned, when I really started to um, look at life in a bigger picture and you put things in perspective of what's it's the old saying about, you know, don't don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff. Well, almost losing a child isn't small stuff. So, you know, bring it on from there on. If I survive that, I can survive anything. And it really did. It, it shaped our marriage and it shaped the way that we approached life thereafter and um, how we looked at challenges. And, and um, it also had a lot to do with how we got involved with Views Across America because we were so grateful to have everything that we had and and then to be blessed um, not only with our wonderful son who uh, now is uh, you know has two kids of his own and you'd never know that he went through what he did and uh, you know we we've just always been so grateful for what we have that it it made us want to give back and that's how we got led into the whole uh, Views Across America program. Mm, and that 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 is a lesson to learn. I think sometimes we we don't realize until we've gone through the fire how strong we are. You know, like you were saying before that happened, you 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 
doubted yourself. You were a very young mother, you know, but going through that, coming out the other side of it, you've realized, you know, that old saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger because you then have, it's, you were always that strong, but now you have an awareness of, of strength and you got through it. And I'm so glad everything turned out all right. And your, your son's healthy and happy and, and has kids of his own. And Karen, if we can kind of continue on this thread, because the next thing I'd love for you to share with us is a time in your life when you had a wake up call. You know, for some people, it's a light bulb moment. Suddenly everything clicks and comes into place. But for others, it's, it's a slow awakening. They, they realize, you know, something's coming. They can feel it bubbling up and then they have that moment where it all comes together. But in either case, there's a moment of action. So if you could share with us the story that led up to that moment and the steps you took that led to your success? Oh, wow. Well, you know, I'm going to be totally honest and I am going to tell you that I have not completely overcome (laughs) self-doubt. And I think that any woman that's honest will tell you that you struggle with it every day because if it's not one thing, it's another. Mm -hmm. And you you got to nail down and then, whoa, something else will happen. So you kind of have to look to that. And um, uh, so much goes back again to, like I said, being a, being a young mother and, and, uh, just finding out how strong I was. But, but again, and this may surprise some people because the Eureka Cross America program is a non-denominational and non-political, but I'm, I'm my, I have my faith. And I think that a lot of young women and young men as well, the biggest struggle in anybody's life is they, they want to feel loved and they want to feel needed. You know, having somebody to love and something to do are pretty important things. And um, I, I think for me, my aha moment was that no matter what the rest of the world thinks of, of Karen Worcester, that I have unconditional love of God. And when you have that kind of security, again, you can pretty much conquer the world. And so... In my daily life, that it's always there with me, and not, not that um, as a woman of faith you don't pray that everything always goes your way. You pray that you always have the strength to face whatever is thrown your way, and that's been a guiding force in my life. But but coming to the realization fairly young that I don't have to be perfect, um, that I have to do the best that I can do, and um, my husband. Um, we, we sat through um, a service one time, and it made me think so much of my husband because it was a, a young female minister, and she told about the farmer who was, uh, there was preparation for this big storm that was coming, and every he had to batten down the hatches and get all the animals in and draw up the water and do all this, and everybody in the community was up in arms of what was going to happen, and this farmer, he did what he had to do, and then he turned off the light and he went to bed. And the, and the moral of the story was that, you know, when you've done all that you can do and you've done the best that you can do, you can sleep when the wind blows because you know you've done all you can. And I've always remembered that. And uh, my husband will remind me of that sometimes because I'm, I'm probably the family's weakest link. And I'll get worried and tend to, to be worried. And he'll remind me that, you know, do all you can do and then you can sleep when the wind blows. I love that. That's a great reminder. And, you know, this is something I, I talk quite a bit with my clients and, and we remind each other of is that, you know, stress comes when we try to control things that are out of our control 
or give our power away in situations where we have power. So it's recognizing, you know, do what you can. Like for this farmer, he could get prepared, right? He could batten down the hatchets. He could bring the animals in. He could shut off the light. Everything else was out of his control. And so you have to let it go. And if you can live life that way, oh boy, you can get so much done because you're not wasting energy worrying and fretting over things you have no control over. And, and that pertains to, um, I think, a lot of time. It's, it, and, it's, and I think it's women and men that we worry so much about how we're perceived by other people. And I think it's funny because, and, and I'm sure most women are, have had this experience that you worried about what somebody thought about you and in the end they didn't even know who you were so right. you all that time so oh come on that happens I'm, it definitely know. does and, and that and and the other piece of that also that I learned very young is um, when you're angry at somebody else and you stew over it um, you empower them so being able to let go too is it, you know life is so precious and just weighing out what's worth you know keep your powder dry don't sweat the small things. <laughs> and, uh, I think you you don't you don't learn that at college anyway. And I like I said, I have six children. Um, we have three birth children, and we adopted three children. And we are so blessed. We have we have wonderful children, all of them. And um, you learn a lot when you have six kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Yes, you know, and there's the difference between learning a concept and living it. So you're absolutely right. You can learn a lot in college, but you know, it, it's oftentimes not until you're out in the workforce when you have a chance to live the concepts that you actually get them and understand them. Exactly. Awesome. And Karen, I also love to ask my guests about their leadership style because I'm a firm believer that it's great that we all have different leadership styles. There are fundamentals of leadership that we all need. We need to be good listeners. We need to build relationships, you know, and and kind of manage our emotions and the emotions of others. But, you know, beyond that foundation, there are a lot of nuances to leadership that our personality, our experience, experience, our strengths kind of weigh in on. So I love asking this question. So Karen, how would you describe your leadership style? Hmm. Well, I will tell you one thing. And again, I learned this from my husband. I firmly believe that I would never ask anybody who works for me to do something that I would not do myself. And that goes from cleaning the bathrooms to uh, taking on a major project. And uh, Again, school of hard knocks, having six kids, you learn that everybody um, reacts to things differently and not, you know, you can't take somebody who has one skill set and put them in a position that you're setting them up to fail. And I think being respectful of that, and again, it comes back to having six kids. And my my oldest daughter is fixing to be 41 and my youngest is uh, 21, so I've had a lot of experience with this, and they're all different. And you do better in your business and in your life if you do things that make other people feel good and successful about themselves. And I think that's it's more about about that than anything else is, you know, having people understand that, A, you appreciate them, and trying to be clear and defining what you expect from them, and also understanding that every Everybody's just human. And one of the things that drives me crazy, and uh, everybody that works for me knows that 
I don't care who you are. If you have a problem with somebody that works for you, you never, never, never publicly um, come off as being superior. All, you know, we're, we're, we all get up out of bed, put the feet on the floor, put our pants on the same way. We're equal. Um, and, uh, you know, my dad was a dug bloodworms, um, bait bloodworms on the mudflats for, for many, many years and um, was very admired because of his hard work. So I think those things help me that, you know, don't get so full of yourself because you got a title that you don't remember that every piece of the puzzle is important and treated people with the same respect that you want to be treated with. Absolutely. And Karen, now we're coming to the question that I'm dying to ask because I kind of know the answer. What's one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about and want to share with us? Um, I could tell you about five things, but I think <laughs> to breeze across America. Um, it's the Living History Project that we're working on. And um, Reese Across America is very well known for placing Reese on veterans' graves. And the first thing I will say is that we don't decorate graves. Every wreath that we place is a, is a gift that was given from a loved one uh, to the individual that we're placing the wreath for. And we talk about um, teaching our children about the character of the individual that served. And um, Rudyard Kipling said, if history were taught in the form of stories, it would never be forgotten. And so we're reaching out, and in all of the 1,200 uh, cemeteries, we're trying to encourage uh, our coordinators to invite um, history reenactment people to come in and answer questions and share with kids about, for instance, what it was like to be in the military in World War II and how they dressed and what family life was about so that you make um, history a story that these kids can relate to in a visual way that they can relate to it. And we are so excited about doing that because I'll tell you, kids, they want to know. Um, but, but what we have to teach them isn't teaching them dates and times and conflict. It's teaching them about the character of the men and women that stepped up to serve when it needed to be done so that they would have the freedoms they have. So having this opportunity, we're super excited about it. Mm -hmm. And Karen, you know, does your organization take donations to pay for some of these? How does it all work? Um, absolutely. Um, as of 2007, when we became a, a 501c3, prior to that, um, my family took Reese to Allenton for 15 years just as, as the family. Um, but in 2007, after a lot of stuff happened on the Internet, people found out what we were doing. Um, we became a 501c3, and we do take donations. Uh, $15 will place a wreath um, anywhere in the country. Um, we have about 1,200 locations this year, and one of our volunteers will go out and place that wreath. And in many instances, if you can't be there, they'll take a picture on, on their phone and send it to you. And uh, we always ask that our um, volunteers say the names out loud. There's another thing that I, I was told about three years ago now that really, that really stuck to me, that um, we died twice. The first time when we stop breathing, and the second time when our name is spoken for the very last time. And it just really struck me that it it kind of explained what my husband had been doing for, and this is his 25th year will be to go, of going to Allenton. Right from the first time that he went all those years ago, as he placed the wreaths, he would say the name out loud. 
And so it's so important to us that as we place the wreaths on, it's December 17th this year, and we'll do over a million uh, wreaths, that a million um, wonderful veterans, wonderful heroes, that their names will be spoken out and, and lifted up and remembered and passed on through that to another generation. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited about it. Yeah, that is just amazing. And for those of you who are listening right now and, you know, want to take action right away, I will tell you that you can find, you know, this information and, and how to donate at wreathsacrossamerica.org. I know, Karen, you're going to give more information at the end, but I just wanted to get that out there. So if somebody was, you know, at the, you know, had their um, device right in front of them, they can look it up. Um, and Karen, if you could, the next place I'd love you to take us to is um, kind of a window into what is your biggest leadership or business challenge that you're faced with right now? Well, for Reads Across America, and this is a little bit hard for people to understand, we do a lot of, lo- we do all of the national cemeteries, we do most of the state veteran cemeteries, and we and our biggest growth is in, in small cemeteries and communities because People like to relate to their local veterans, but actually covering Arlington National Cemetery to make sure that everybody interred there gets a wreath is the hardest thing to do because people lose sight of the fact that those men and women that are buried at Arlington came from all over the country. You know, it's a place of honor to be buried at National um, uh, Arlington National Cemetery. But over the years, I know I've met people who went there when their loved one was buried and have never been able to afford to go back again. Mm -hmm. And so we have a group of people that support Arlington Cemetery, but um, raising the funds for Arlington is is, is very difficult. And we're, again, this year we experienced great growth all over the country, but to get Arlington covered. And uh, we're hoping we share the stories and help people to understand that, that there literally are people from every state buried there, and it's the patchwork quilt of uh, the history of the country there, and uh, so we're hoping that, that we're able to meet that challenge again this year. Yeah, and it takes the support of everybody to continue to honor these veterans who gave their lives for our freedoms. That's Exactly, and you know, one of the, it's it's funny because I was I was talking to my cousin the other day about she had some people that she didn't know what to do for uh, a gift for them for the holiday. And I'm like, well, you know, this is uh, something that it wasn't our idea. It was people who support Reads Across America had requested that we have a card made so that in place of going out and buying the box of chocolates or, you know, $15 isn't a lot of money. And for $15, you can actually uh, give that gift a remembrance so that, for instance, if you have an uncle, you can say, send them this card that says, in your honor, we'll place a wreath on a veteran's grave. And it's become such a great gift idea, and I can't take credit for it. I wish I could, but I can't. It was, uh, you know, just the people that support us that that started promoting that idea. And it's it's meant a lot to a lot of people and, and calling attention again to the fact that while we celebrate the holidays or don't, because we have the freedom to do what we want, but because we're free, there will be a lot of people sitting down to a table with an empty seat um, where they've paid a, an ultimate sacrifice. So um, I was mindful of that. 
It's such good work that you're doing, Karen. And if you could, because you said that, you know, you're growing and you're, you're in 1200 different locations. That, that takes more than a village to, to make that happen. If you could give us an overview of the people you have around you that help make it possible for you to do everything that you're doing. Well, I think you have to start at the outside of the circle because what, what uh, I am blown away by is that each one of 1,200 locations, somebody volunteers and steps up and takes the responsibility that they're going to put together this ceremony and they agree that it's all-inclusive and non-denominational and non-political and all about the mission to remember, honor, and teach. And it's a big responsibility, and, and they have incredible ceremonies. And then they go out and find the names of local veterans, and the amount of work that they put in is incredible you know they go out and get the sponsorships and and uh so you start at the outer circle and and i can't i always try to thank those people because without those people in their efforts there would not be a race across america and it i'll tell you when we we're coming off from such a divisive election and then i get the opportunity to look out there at, we have well over a million volunteers now and um see us coming back together, you know, because everybody's involved in this. So I always thank those people. Um, my my biggest support team first is my husband and my family. They work endless hours. Just They are so dedicated to this um, mission. My um, chairman of the board, Wayne Hansen, is a Vietnam-era veteran. Um, our uh, administrative staff, our, our um, myself, Wayne, we don't take any salaries. Um, it's you know to see him work as many hours as he does, Wayne. Right now he's probably working at least 60 hours a week. Um, he's also the um, coordinator of this for Arusa Across America for Arlington National Cemetery, lives in the D.C. area, and then my staff here. You know we live we live in Washington County, Maine, and we're so fortunate because we we just recently had this incredible building that we operate from. It was a school building that was closed because of budget concerns. My kids went to school in this building, but it was just gifted to Reads Across America. And we're able to have, um, I think we have 14 people here working now, but to do it um, in Washington County, Maine, and have this outreach enables us to do things at such a lower cost. And, and these people are so dedicated. They work so hard. Um, so I'm, I'm very blessed and I, I enjoy working with everybody here. Mm -hmm. I love that. That is so great. So amazing how many people are involved and in giving, giving their time. It's, it's really inspiring, Karen. All right. Now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So Karen, tell us what is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader? patience <laughs> and kindness it just uh i think the biggest thing that anybody needs to do is uh, don't don't uh say the first thing that comes into your mind when you come upon any situation you always need to think before you open your mouth and 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 again don't don't let something that might be said in the heat of the moment um once, once you say or do something, you can't take it back. So always try to take a step back. And, and again, put things in perspective. You know, somebody missed a deadline, what's the worst thing that could happen? Or, you know, kid spills the milk, you know. Mm -hmm. you know what point is it to cry over the spilled milk? When what, what you say or do at any given moment can make such an impact on somebody else's life that I think just weighing it out and 
making sure that you're respectful of other people goes a long way. And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Got to say it. I don't read a lot of books, but I I read my Bible, and I draw a lot of strength from it. And uh, you know, um, not that is for me personally. Um, and some good rules and regulations in there. Writing <laughs> <laughs> in there, you know, this, uh, those Ten Commandments. That's pretty good. And um, I I draw strength from that. And but the basic concept to me of Christianity is to, to do unto others and to be kind and to always try to do good. And I, I do, I do go to my Bible and I don't do a lot of reading. I hate to say that, mm-hmm. but I, I, I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> no. Kids. I do babysitting. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get it, Karen. And when I, when someone ever turned me on to audiobooks, my world changed. Oh. I will say that I've consumed way more books via audio than I have reading a printed book because I'm a lot like you. I have a hard time sitting still for very long. So I gotcha. And Karen, what advice would you give your younger self? I chuckled when I read this and haven't been somebody who had to struggle. I don't eat the bread. It's just not (laughs) worth it. (laughs) That's all I got. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. Would you like to expand on that for everyone? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's no no deep meaning. It's just don't eat it because then you got to work it off. I, I don't know. You know, try to make good choices. It's like, you know, I think it's stupid things. Like when I was a teenager and we used to go lay out in the sun and we'd take, uh, you know, iodine and baby oil and grease ourselves up. Now we're all covered with H spots. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's too late. I don't know what I go back and give myself for advice, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I, I will say this, and and uh, it's more advice that I give somebody else that I was so fortunate. And this again, it's so it's so funny how different things play a role in your life. But it goes back to almost losing my son, and um, that is to. Don't let a day go by. You know, don't let a day go by. Don't that you don't appreciate your family and your country and what you have. Uh, don't have a pity party and don't you know don't let the sun go down on um, being unhappy with people around you because it's just not worth it. And I did learn that. And I I can say even though I have six kids and eight grandkids and I've worked a good good deal of my life that I always took time to put my family first because in the end, you know, and, and again, this comes back to uh, my faith, but um, I heard a, a quote the other day and it, and it actually moved me to tears. And that was that the only thing you can take to heaven with you is your children. And that, that meant a lot to me. Mm. Well, here's another one. I didn't know if you had an additional one, but I would love to hear um, your favorite uh, quote or mantra and why it has meaning for you. Well, my husband is my hero. People, we had our 42nd wedding anniversary yesterday. Um, now he's a man; he's still just as irritating as he can be. But you know, you you, you live with that; you get used to it. But he taught me a long time ago. He's always had a saying, and uh, that is that when the going gets tough, you grab another gear. And our children. Um, it was in uh, 2006 when Reads Across America became so well-known. And, of course, they'd been involved with it for 15 years at that point and gone to Arlington and helped their dad place a Reads. 
But they commissioned a statue of a soldier placed in a wreath. And on the on that statue, um, and I, I just thought, boy, their education's paid off because what they wrote was so good. They wrote Marl Worcester, um, father, husband, son, patriot, who taught us to give freely, love deeply, and always reach down and grab another gear because that's what he's always told us. And this time of year, it's very busy, and he'll walk through here, you know, to grab a coffee, and he'll say, grab a gear, and, and, <laughs> and it's like the whole office now. Everybody that's in the inner circle of Reads Across America will use my husband's mantra, which is grab another gear. I love that. And Leslie, Karen, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? Um, I think that on the, on the uh, website, which is readsacrossamerica.org, um, is the best way. Um, you know, I don't have the phone number written down. I'm sorry that I didn't do that, but that's all on the website. We also have a, a big presence on Facebook, and um, I would encourage people to go to our Facebook page because one of the things that we learned very early as an organization who is honoring veterans and their families is that we really like to share what other organizations are doing. Um, that are working for veterans and their families. So there's a lot of information on our web pages besides just what Reads Across America is doing. Um, but it also gives you an opportunity to see the things that we do year-round, that it isn't what we do is not decorate graves. It's about carrying the mission out um, throughout the year. And I, again, to reference my faith again, I always say, you know, a real Christian doesn't just practice their faith once a week and a real American has to practice being an American every day, especially in these times. It's time that we start teaching ourselves and our children what it really means to have the privilege to be an American and taking care of it. And for those of you listening, you know that you can find all the links and resources that Karen shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. And Karen, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy day, especially this time of year, to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Oh, thank you, Jody. Your website tells a story about your business. At Zebra Love Web Solutions, Millie and her team are going to make sure your website tells the story you want your customers to hear. Connect with Millie at ZebraLoveWebSolutions.com to create the impression you want to make. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Are you ready to take the lead in your own life but need some support? Head over to WomenTakingTheLead.com forward slash contact to introduce yourself. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. 
Again, thank you for joining with me and here's to your success.